So glad you are here today, and uh, if you would just do me a favor, if you have your Bibles, your iPad, whatever you have, take it and turn to Colossians in the New Testament chapter 2. If not, it's going to be on the screens, but Colossians chapter 2, as uh, we've already talked about, this is homecoming weekend, uh, getting ready for most of kids to go back to school this week. Some have already started, but I was thinking uh, it's about ready for a routine for all of us to get back into kind of a swing, and summer's over, and some of you are excited about that, some of you are really sad about that. But uh, we are here this morning, and I was thinking about my kids, that uh, every time students go to, to class, go to school, get back in the routine, they're really asking two questions. Uh, where do I fit in, and how do I fit in? How am I going to be accepted? Where am I going to be accepted? And, and it's motivation behind much of the behavior throughout every grade. For example, I think the first day of school, one of the things that we dealt with in our house for a little bit of time, and you might deal with it, I'm not sure, but it was what were we going to wear? What good clothes are we going to wear? And one of the reasons I love Friends Christian Schools, we never had to think about it. It was awesome. Thank you, Friends Christian School. We had uniforms, red, white, or blue. Which color of the day? Let's go for that. And made it pretty simple. There's a little bit of drama about what you're going to wear because you want to kind of fit in. And I thought as my kids got older, you know, now they don't have a dress code. I still wish they did because it would make it a lot easier and I think a lot cheaper because we got great hand-me-downs from lots of you. So thank you for all those hand-me-downs. But your kids are facing change, a new season, maybe a new school. And they're asking right now, how do I fit in? My son, uh, I thought about it a lot because we took him back to college this week. And I can tell you this, it was a heck of a lot easier this year than it was last because he's a sophomore. And the freshman year, dropping him off this last weekend, uh, a year ago, I was in depression. It was just awful. And uh, now we were like, awesome, he's going back to school. <laughs> See you later, dude. And we got him off. And I think he was feeling the same way about us. But here's a picture of him uh, in his dorm room with a couple of his roommates. Oh, yeah. And, and, and don't get the awe, because this is his view literally out of his dorm room. And I am not kidding. He is at Point Loma Nazarene University. His dorm is on the ocean. And I said, son, don't get used to it. This is the greatest view on a piece of property you will never own in your lifetime. <laughs> but he wakes up to that. His desk is right there looking out at that. I don't feel sorry for him at all. And uh, I'm excited for him. But we all know that our kids and our students, that they're going to try on different identities like outfits, as they try to find their identity. One semester, they might be an athlete. Uh, the next semester, a theater kid. The next, they might be just a kid that doesn't care about school at all, and all of a sudden, something clicks, and, and they just care about everything. They bounce from friend group to friend group, and they're trying to find a place with space for them. And really, they want to feel right. They want to feel connected. And honestly, whether they want to admit it or not, they want to feel loved. And they search for where they're going to fit in and how they're going to fit in. And I've realized this, as we get older, not much changes, especially when it comes to this place called church. Many of us walk in here, and if you're here for the first time, we are so glad you were here today. Thank you for being here. But as you walk in, you're asking some questions, some of you that are new, some of you that have been on a spiritual vacation for a really long time. You're here today, and we're glad you're here. But you're walking into this place and in this space, and you're going, man... Do I fit here? Am I going to be welcomed in this place? Is this a place for me? And here's what I believe. The truth is that I think the church should be one place where everyone finds their place. The church should be one place where everybody finds their place. And we're all different. 
All of us, we're supposed to be. Jesus designed the church to rely on every member to have a unique contribution. We're diverse, but we're called to be united. And being united does not mean uniformity. Unity and uniformity are two different things. We're diverse, but God says, hey, as my church, I want you to be united together. And how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, I believe that Paul has some words for us this morning in Colossians that I think bear a really great impact for us as a church as we begin this new season. See, I think Jesus designed the church to have the biggest impact when each unique member is contributing in their unique way for God's glory and his purpose and his honor. And that the church must be this community where diversity comes together and meets unity. And there is a foundation that all of us share together, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. That there is this one who died for your sins, and he went to a grave and he rose again so that you might have life. And we come today together and celebrate in unity this one called Jesus Christ, and we exalt his name and his name alone. And Paul comes and he says, hey, I want to tell you, churches, he writes from a distance and he sends this letter and he begins to tell them about their maturity in Christ. And I want you to grow and understand who Jesus is, because as you grow in him and as your love for him grows, it begins to grow for one another. And he said, as you mature in your faith, there's some things that I'm excited about for you and there's some goals that I actually have for you. And in chapter two, he starts in verse two this way. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart. And united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are all hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 6 says this, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I love the way he starts. He says, listen, I got a goal for you. There's something that I want you guys to know as a church. There's something that you need to attain to. You need to go after. You need to pursue. And he says, I'm going to come at you and ask you that you do this. And I'm a long way from you, but I am counting on you. And I want you to be encouraged in heart. And I want you to be united in love. And I pray this morning as you walk into this church that this is a place of encouragement and a place of hope for you. And I pray that as you become a person that finds their place in this place, that God uses you with your unique gift for his glory and his honor so that his church and his kingdom can grow. And we just have really one goal for you in 2018 and 19. And that is this, that that you would be linked up and reaching out. That you would be linked up and reaching out. And what does that mean for Friends Church? Well, I'm going to explain that, but I'd love to just say this statement for us in 2018 and 19 would be that Friends Church would be a place where every person finds their place. That Friends Church would be a place where every person finds their place. Paul says, I want to encourage you. I want you to know that, man, there's something going on and God's doing something in the heart and the life of your church. You need to be encouraged. And I was talking to somebody a, a few weeks back, and, and they were a little discouraged. And what I, I've, I've come to understand is discouraged believers aren't fully engaged in God's work or God's church. And the longer you're in a place, and I've been here 27 years, the longer you're in a place, and this is just life, the more things you see that you don't like. 
Some things you ignore in your house, but there's things you see now that you don't like, and it just stays there, and then you just start to ignore it, but then some things start to really bug you over time. But if somebody new comes to their house, they never see it, and they only see the good, and they see all the things that are awesome, but the same thing happens in the church. Some of you have been here with me for 27 years, and this person was disengaged and was disheartened because they wanted it to be what it used to be. And they were discouraged, and they weren't hanging out in the life of the church. And I said, listen, you're hanging out in the death of the church. you got to get in the life of the church. Because when you're in the life of the church, and you see people being transformed by God in this place, I'm telling you what, you can't help but be excited about what God's doing here. Charlie and his wife Linda are doing baptisms. We're getting ready to do baptisms this morning. And they are here every week. And he said, when I walked in this morning, Charlie's a retired educator. He said, man, it is so awesome to stand backstage. And he goes, you should have seen the crowd last night. He goes, when people got baptized, the smiles on their faces and the tears in their eyes, he goes, I was excited. And he has found a ministry that has lit him up. And he said, in my retirement, guess what? I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to get in and I'm going to be engaged and I'm going to be encouraged because he's now hanging out with life. And when you hang out with life in a church, I just want to encourage you. That's where your life begins to change. And Paul comes and he says, let me encourage you. Unity comes when you love Jesus and you love one another. When you understand who God is through Jesus Christ, there's this full assurance and a complete understanding of Jesus that fuels a person to be a person of faith. Freedom and confidence are birthed in the foundation we find in Jesus and complete understanding in Him because that is where our true identity is and that's where our true joy and our hope and our peace come from. And in this book, he begins to unveil some mysteries. Chapter 1, he says, here's the first mystery. The church is the body of Christ. Colossians 1, verse 24 and through 26, that the church is like a body. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. In verse 27, he begins to tell them that Jesus Christ is now gone, but he left his spirit. And there's going to be an indwelling, verse 27, of the Holy Spirit that now comes to reside in each and every one of you who calls Jesus your Savior. And you have power. Jesus says, actually, you're going to do greater things than I ever did. Because now I dwell within you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you can go and change the world. And then he comes in chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, and he says, Jesus is revealed, and the mysteries and the wisdom and the knowledge of God are found in him. And this was really important for the church, because Paul was refuting some bad teaching that was going on by some of the Gnostics. The Gnostics were the ones that said, the way to salvation is to get more and more knowledge, and to build up more and more knowledge, and the, it was only meant for a few who were really smart. It's only meant for a few who would study and grab knowledge, and, and Paul comes along and says, time out. No, it's not just for you smart people. Thank the Lord. Aren't you grateful? It's for everyone who would call on the name of Jesus Christ, and he says, you will find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Jesus. You might want to underline that word in your Bible. You will find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Paul said this wisdom is hidden in Christ. And he used this word hidden that does not mean concealed, but it means that they are laid up or stored up like treasures. And the more you begin to understand and know Jesus, and the more you dig into his word, and the more Jesus becomes your Lord and your Savior, and your life is centered on him, the more that the mystery of God doesn't become a mystery, but the treasure of who he is, his wisdom and his knowledge becomes your life. And you realize he is life and his way is the way and it is the only way. And as you dig into Jesus, it's not concealed, it is revealed and God begins to show himself real to you. And Paul comes, go back to verse two, and he says, my goal, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. Well, what does Paul mean when he says they're united in love together? He takes this Greek word, sumbabaso, 
and it means united in love. He, he ties it together with the, the word that means this agape love, this family love. We are called to be knit together or tied together like a family with bonds of love. We're not just cogs in a machine, but each of us have a part. We're members of one body, and the church fits together like this family. And what he says is it's compromised of many parts, all unique, have a special offering, but every part plays a part. What he said was this, a church, church should be a place where every person finds their place. He wrote another letter, he said these words when he talked about the body of Christ. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but there is one body. Paul comes and he says, here's what I want. Body of Christ, I want you to be united in love. And the way that happens is that you fall in love with Jesus. And then in our differences, that we become unified under the banner of Jesus Christ. I have a family of five. And this was our picture that we took this summer uh, when we were on vacation. And as we look at my kids, and we look all put together, and we have smiles on our faces, but many of you have been to pictures. This one was probably better than some others, but getting to this picture wasn't an easy task. If you have a family, you know what I mean. This, this photo shoot was 8 o'clock in the morning, okay? And so we had to tell them like three or four days in advance to prepare them for the morning. You're on vacation. You've got to actually like get up at 7. Oh, man, it is just awful. I know. But then you go out and it looks great and I love my family and they look good. But it's some craziness behind the scenes, right? Us five, we don't agree all the time. We don't agree on what we're eating, where we're going to eat, what we're doing, all of those things. But we are a family and we have committed to one another that we're going to be unified in love. Now, all of them have a part. We tell them all the time, look, you're part of this family. You have something to do. You have some contributions to make whether that's cleaning up for dishes or washing your own clothes or vacuuming and, or, or Nolan taking out the trash. Who, when Nolan forgets to take out the trash on Wednesday mornings, who takes out the trash? Nolan does because if he forgot, man, I'm on the phone. Get up. You got to get the trash out. Now he went to college. Guess who's taking out the trash? I am. It stinks. <laughs> and I forgot. Now it's my duty again because the family member's gone and I got to do it. So I'm picking up the slack. But everybody's got a part. And it's messy behind that picture sometimes because we're imperfect people living together but it is awesome when God brings us together and he says when this picture of the church becomes real when you invest yourself and your gift and when you give of yourself as part of the family God begins to give something back to you and I was just thinking about this church as a family and I just want to say thank you I mean, I love the people of Friends Church. 
I love that I get to see you out in the community all over the place. I'm an extrovert, so it kind of lights me up, you know. Um, when I go to Costco, I might as well just be a greeter at Costco because there are so many of you there when I'm there. And I just shake hands and I'll turn around and Maddie's gone. She's left me because she's like, he's talking again. I just need a name tag and I'll just stand at the door and I work for Costco because I'm greeting half of you. I say hi to you or I smile at people when they just look at me because I don't want any of you to go, oh, the pastor didn't smile at me or he didn't say hi to me. I don't know who you are, but I'm just smiling and waving at everybody because I don't want to offend anybody. But... Somebody just glances at me. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Do they, Marty would go, do they go to the church? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> but I want to say thank you. You know, we'd be sitting at a, at a meal, and, and, and all of a sudden, the waitress would come up and said, somebody paid for your meal. I have no idea who that is. You don't do that for me. You do that for a bunch of our pastors. I mean, how kind is that? And I just want to say thanks for taking care of me and my family. Thank you for letting my kids be real kids. You know, my, my kids love Jesus, and it's because of you, because you let them just be kids, and they're going to mess up just like your kids mess up, and they're not perfect, but I love that they can come in this place, and they feel safe, and they don't feel, I pray, the pressure of being a pastor's kid, because it's real. So thank you. We celebrate my dad's one-year anniversary uh, when he went to be with Jesus this week, coming up. Hard to believe it was a year, but you took care of our family and my mom and, and our people, and I want to say thank you. Thank you that you just love. You show what it means to be a church that is united in love. I turned uh, 50 years old this week, and I celebrated my birthday, and I couldn't believe I turned 50, and so I said to Maddie, we're not having any party at all. And she agreed. And that was cool. Until we were sitting at the dinner table on Wednesday, Tuesday night. My birthday was Wednesday and Tuesday night we were sitting at the dinner table and two people just start walking up our, our walkway and I'm like, well, what are they doing here? They're from our life group and it's not life group night. And then two other people walked up and I'm like, well, they're not in our life group, so what are they doing here? And then I looked at Maddie and all of a sudden people started coming. I said, I said, no party. She said, we're not having a party. It's just a gathering. <laughs> She, behind the scenes at the last minute, just invited uh, people, and I didn't invite all of you. It would have been awesome. Our backyard couldn't have fit you, but she just randomly invited, and, he, and here's a picture of what happened at our house. I, <laughs> few friends, and uh, they all were from here because this is my family just like it's yours. And to sit back as a pastor, and many times the pastors in, in churches like this, they they isolate themselves and they don't, they don't let people in. And I just have decided I'm letting as many people into my life as I can. And I just say thank you because those are people that are here, that are friends that I've become friends with over 27 years. And there could be another whole picture of people. And I look and I just want to say you guys are already on the way to becoming this church where every person finds their in verse 6, he goes on. He says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Isn't it interesting? Read that first verse. Just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue your lives in Him. He didn't say continue your lives for Him, did he? 
He didn't say go out and do things. He said continue your lives rooted in him. That there is a relationship that's deep, that's vibrant, that is the foundation of your life because it's out of spending time and becoming a follower of Jesus and falling in love with him that you do things. It's not the opposite way. And Jesus said, I'm way more interested in getting to know you than you going and doing things for me. He said, I want you to be in relationship. And he said, rooted in him. That there's something vibrant going on. And out of that, you want to serve him and you want to honor him and you want to live with him. That word rooted, it's the first participle and it appears in the perfect tense. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that it continues the results of an action that were completed in the past. So it was like a plant where you throw some seed down and you watch it gain root and you watch it grow and grow and grow. There is something that is deep, deeply rooted in your life and it is Jesus Christ in your relationship with him and it is the foundation. And now what is happening, there is this action that is continuing because you have found yourself rooted in Jesus Christ. Out of that, the next three, they're in the present tense. What happens when you're rooted in him? You are built up in him. You are strengthened in him. And then because of that, you are overflowing with thankfulness because of who Jesus is in your life and in your heart, and you can't contain it. And it's why people, when life changes and circumstances change, you look at some people and you go, how are they not changing? They are accepting what is going on in their life. When you go, I'd be crumbling, and you look and you go, it's one thing. Jesus is the foundation, and for years they have been cultivating and they have been rooting themselves deeply in a relationship with him, that when the trials and the tribulations come, they go this, Jesus has me, Jesus loves me, and I'm trusting him. I might hate what's going on on the outside, but I am believing deep within my heart that he has me and that he loves me. And they are being built up and they are being strengthened. And then they are people that are overflowing with thankfulness. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 17, verse 8. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What a great verse. As you are rooted in Jesus Christ, it's like a building going up in construction. Your foundation is Jesus, and your foundation is getting stronger in him, but you are still under construction. You are a work in progress. You are a sinner that is in need of a great Savior, and everybody say amen. Amen. And I think about it. You're a progress. You're in construction, and and this has nothing to do with our sermon, but I was thinking about it um, over the last two services. You know, we have this sign out there that says, coming soon. We're building a new pavilion out there, and we've been doing that for like six or seven months, and we don't put any dates on it because we, we've learned over the years. Coming soon. It's coming soon. But I, I, I just need to vent, and I just need you to pray for me, okay? Um, we're past the third plan check with the city. Okay, so some things have come back, and so uh, just pray that we represent you well because I'm getting ticked, and it's, it's past the point of... I'm excited about it. Now I'm just like, are you kidding me? So um, we've had to have civil engineers come out and take soils tests and other things. And the grade of our parking lot for the handicapped people that we want to love and care for, the grade is not to code now. And it was to code. So we might have to tear out the entire parking lot, okay, and put in a new parking lot. And then they came in and said, our bathrooms aren't to code. So all these beautiful bathrooms that we have, they're not to code. So we're going to have to change all the bathrooms in this entire building, okay? So we have filed a hardship of construction complaint 
And I'm sure we have nice people in the city. I love them. I want to work with them. But come on. And so for you, would you do me a favor? Would you just pray um, that I don't lose my salvation? And pray, second, <laughs> that we honor Jesus well, and, but that it goes through. Because we're at week 18. It was supposed to take like 12. And we should have been under construction, and we're not. And it's a place we want to build community. And so in this hardship claim, we believe we're okay, and we'll get some things done. But we don't want to waste anybody's money, especially God's money, on doing things that we just did a few years ago. So uh, just pray for that. Seriously, because we want it to go through and we can start building that. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I'll go on, all right? Construction. You are a work in progress. And so we're rooted in it and we're built up and we're strengthened. And then we are overflowing with thankfulness. The ultimate fulfillment of our lives is not found anywhere else but Jesus Christ. And I just want you to know that lives are being transformed and lives are being changed here all the time. And this is happening around you. The question is, is it happening for you? And if not, I, I want to get serious about creating this morning a united community in this coming year. I want to get serious about making Friends Church a place where every person finds their place. And that's going to require something of you. And it's going to require something from you. It's going to take a willingness to actually link arms with someone and actually to pull someone in, just like that song said. And I want you to do me a favor. Uh, I want you to look to the person next to you on your left and right. Just take a glance at them. Smile at them. If you know them already, go ahead and look at them because you need to just look at them. You might know them, but go ahead. It's all right. It's your husband or wife. They don't look like you, do they? They're not dressed like you. They might not think like you. They might like a different sports team than you. It's all on purpose. And what I need you to understand is those people right here, they're different, but different is okay here. Diversity is what we want in this place. We live in a divided world. I don't need to tell you that. We live in a divided country. We have families that are divided. We have relationships that are divided. And the challenge of everyday life begins to just rip people apart at their core. And we understand that. And I believe there is no greater time for us to be the church than right now. There's no greater time for us to unite together under Jesus Christ and his love for us and to share that love. And there might be family division, there might be community division, there might be division that we need to actually face as people and allow God to do something in us so he can do something through us as a church. But we want you to link up with somebody. And here's the one thing we're going to ask of you as we begin. We want to build unity in this place. And so we've decided in our first six weeks that everybody across our campuses and in all of our groups are going to go through a series called Habits. And you heard them, uh, saw a video if you were here earlier, but you have this. I'd love for you to take it. And we are asking every life group, there's about 2,400 people in life groups right now, that every life group would take six weeks and go through this. We've written the entire curriculum. Chris Ward and Drew Heim and Scott Benson, a bunch of people did an amazing job. We recorded um, a great six-week video series, we believe, that you can uh, have a link to, and you can just download that, and it'll be just an awesome tool. And you're going to be getting these books here soon. Uh, and next week, I think they'll start being for sale as we publish those, and those come out. But we want every group to go in it. If you're not in a group, uh, you can join a group. It's your next step. It is your way to connect. And if you're too intimidated by a group, we're cool with that. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to just grab one person. If you grab one person and you just say, hey, let's go through habits together. And for six weeks, if you would walk with us as we do our weekend series and as we do this, we would appreciate it. Here's what we need you to do. If you're not signed up in a group, but you want to be and you need to take a next step towards Jesus and you need to link arms, if you just take this and you just rip it off and you fill it out, 
all the way from high school all the way up, and you go to, we have 15 stations that you can drop these cards off, okay? 15. You know what that means? You have no excuse. The only reason you wouldn't drop it off is you're lazy and you just don't want to stop by 15 stations, all right? So if you're not connected, we would love for you to connect because we believe you're not meant to do this in isolation. And so grab a partner, grab a person. You'll be hearing more about this. And we're excited about what God is going to allow us to do as we come together as an entire church over our three campuses. The second thing we're going to ask is this, is who will you pull in? Who will you pull in? We have a goal of 8,001 people coming to know Jesus. And as John said, over 400 students making a decision for Christ. I mean, how awesome is that? But who are you pulling in? Who are you praying for? Who's the one that God has laid on your heart to pray for? Uh, our world tells us we're to keep our faith private, and I couldn't disagree more. Scripture tells us that it says we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it has changed us and transformed us. And we don't do that by words. We just do that many times by how we live. And I was so proud of some students who came to me and said, hey, uh, we want to be baptized before we go back to college. These four actually were going to college out of high school. And as they were uh, getting ready to be baptized, it, it was awesome because I've watched the, the boys that got baptized, the young men now, i watched them grow up since they were little kids. But it was Brittany, the young lady who, who came to Christ most recently, she was the one that led the pack, and she said, I want to get baptized, and then the dudes were like, well, I, I want to get baptized too, and so they just followed the lady. The ladies always lead. Way to go, ladies, and they just followed right along, but I thought to myself as I baptized them, and their family and their friends were there, and I asked them, do you proclaim Jesus Christ as your Savior, and they said, yes, I do, and I said, do you want to live for them as you go away to college, and, and do you want to serve him, and they said, yes, I do, and when I baptized them, I just thought to myself, how awesome is it? Kids getting ready to go to USC, kids getting ready um, to go to Grand Canyon, kids ready to go to Baylor. I just looked and I said, I want you to live for Jesus. And that they proclaim their faith. This morning, we're going to have baptisms at the end of the service. We're going to cheer people on. 30 people over uh, the weekend are getting baptized this weekend to proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ because somebody pulled them in and somebody shared the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. And so who are you going to invite? As I sit here this morning and I look out, Mark and Tears are sitting right there in about six rows back. And Mark came um, to me. He went to a rooted class uh, a while back and he found Jesus Christ as his Savior. Uh, but he came up and, and I remember the moment he came to me because he was a Florida Gator fan and, and Alabama fans hate Florida Gator fans. But then I hugged him and I love him and he's a good dude and uh, we're going to beat you again. So there you go. Uh, but he came forward. And he said, would you do me a favor? He said, would you pray for my wife? And he said, I'm just praying for tears that uh, she'll come to know Christ. Um, grew up in Israel, Jewish, really atheist, no religion at all, kind of not following anything. And I think for over a year or so, he began praying for her that God would do something. Fighted at her Alpha, and he went to Alpha. Alpha's our 10-week program where where people can come, anybody. You have questions about God, you're not a believer, you question faith, you question God, you question anything. Uh, we want you to come. It starts September 16th, I believe. There's a table out front. But, but Mark and Tears, she came home, wasn't planning on going to Alpha, uh, and uh, came home but thought, hey, free food. We always get you with free food, Tears. We love free food. Free food, child care, she could get away. And I think the words that were given to me was when she came to Alpha, there was a wave of love. And she didn't accept Christ over those 10 weeks. Then she went into a Bible study on the book of Mark. 
And God had been doing a work in her, and she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And Mark and Tirza are new creations in Christ. And the coolest thing, yeah, you can clap for that. Coolest thing was, was she didn't want to wait to be baptized here, which was really cool. So Aaron Opog, but that's her husband who baptized her in the ocean uh, just a few weeks back. And, and I, I, uh, I looked over the other Sunday. I looked over and I was sitting there and I had one of our pastors that was here. And I looked over and, and we sang a song called Cornerstone and Tears you were the first person up. And her arms were lifted up. And I said, look, look. I said, look at that. I said, months back, she was, she was as far from God as you could get. And yet, Mark kept praying and he pulled her in. And Jesus got a hold of her. And she stood up, didn't care what any of you guys think. She had her hands up and she proclaimed that Jesus was her Lord. And I say to us all the time, there's nothing greater than you can experience when you have a family member or a friend that you've been praying for that comes to know Christ. Who are you going to pull in? Because the world needs the love of Christ to be shared. A girl named Rachel came to our services three months ago. She was of Jewish heritage as well, but she knew there was a longing in her heart. She had a lot of questions, but she came to our lights, cameras, and musicals the last three weekends, and she wept throughout Les Mis last weekend and said it was the most powerful service she'd ever been to in her life. And she signed up for Alpha because she wants her questions asked. Has she found Jesus yet? No. But guess what? She's got a place in this place. And every person who's far from God, this better be a place where we as a church welcome them. Because they are the children of God and all of us at one point found Jesus. We want that place to be here. See, there are plenty of churches that are committed to being tight-knit, that are committed to loving one another, but they refuse to pull others in. And guess what? That just keeps people out. And they become more like a club than the church. And it's been said that the church is to be a hospital for people that are broken and hurting. So guess what? We all are that if we just would admit it. And every one of us are in the same plane. that We just all need Jesus. And so may this place be a place where everybody finds their place. One last story before we close. And it was this, uh, this lady who had uh, come, her husband, they moved seven years ago to Orange County. And here's what she wrote. She said, we have felt spiritually homeless and we decided we needed to find a church near us. So we started trying some out. We knew it would take some time and investment on our part to build new relationships. But what we didn't know was how hard it would be to find a place where we would even feel safe and welcome enough to do that. As we visited church after church, we were shocked at how blatantly unwelcome and alienated we felt. We were practically begging people to let us in. (laughs) Yet church after church, and year after year, doors continued to close. We actually started doubting ourselves, wondering what was wrong with us. At times, even pointing the finger at each other for not trying hard enough. And this is just heartbreaking. The church had become a pace of pain, isolation, rejection, and heartbreaking division. Think about that. The church, universal. Finally, in an act of desperation, I consulted Yelp, which everyone knows is a great spiritual compass. (laughs) And I came across Friends Church. We tried it out. 
The music was uplifting, the faces were friendly, and the environment felt welcome. The day we walked into Friends Church, all it took was one look at my husband, and I knew by his expression he felt the same way I did, that we had finally come home. And I think about that couple, and that's you guys. That's all of you. My prayer is that this place becomes home for you. Like for me, for 27 years, I can look back on a screen and say that was just a portion of the friends and family I have. And I'm better because of this place. There are people that walk in these doors that need to know that they are loved by Jesus. And it just starts with you. And I just promise you, you don't know, I know some of your stories. In the depth of hurt and pain and struggle, it's real. And you'll never know what a handshake or a hug or a welcome or a hello my name is. I can't get to everybody and I wish I could at all of our services and seven services and three campuses. I can't. That's not my job. That's our job. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. And you have a unique gift. And may I just ask you to be aware that when you walk in this space, in this place, that if you see somebody alone, or if you see somebody who looks like it's their first time, or if you think they've been here for years and you don't know them, just go up and say, hi, my name is. Lady wrote me a three-page email. It was a beautiful email. And she wrote me this email because I waved to her. I couldn't even see in the windshield, but I just knew she was there up on our upper campus. So I just waved and she waved back. And she said, you'll never know what that wave on that day at that time did for me. And I thought to myself, I don't remember that wave. But Jesus calls us just to love people. And I promise you, it's the little things that matter. This is a place that I pray every person finds their place. And here's what I want to do as we close this morning. I would love for you to stand. And as you stand with me, I am going to ask you, uh, sometimes we've done this by holding hands, but I'm actually going to ask you to cross aisles uh, with people that you don't know, okay? And I want you to link arms with the people that are next to you, all right? Some of you don't like germs, so this is a good way not to hold hands. So you're going to link arms. You don't even need Purell after this one. So you could just link arms. So put an arm inside another arm. Go ahead, cross the aisle. You can do it. Don't be shy. Come together. Okay, and here's what I want. Look at this. Just look around. This is a part of your family. This is a part of your church. This is one of seven services, like I said. This would be a place where every person finds their place. I want to ask you this year in this ministry, will you link up and will you reach out? And let's be the church Jesus has called us to be. And here is my prayer over you and my charge. And when we're done with this, we're going to celebrate, we're going to sing, we're going to have baptisms and close our service. But I would love for this to be spoken over you because God's word is powerful and it is strong. And Paul said this to the church in Ephesus, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, 
may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. Amen. May this be a place where everybody finds their place and Jesus is honored. Let's honor him this morning and give him thanks.